Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A huge thank you to Neon, our favorite New Zealand streaming service, for making this episode of Culture Vulture possible. Everybody, I feel weird today. <laughs> what a good way to start the episode. Great way to start. So just to preface, if brain sounds empty, brain is kind of empty, but I have a lot of notes. If grammar is not there at all, <laughs> then that is why. Um, in case you didn't realise, and I really hope you've listened to an episode of Culture Vulture before, because this isn't how we usually start. But you brain are is usually full, but um, brain is usually not quite today. full. Mm. We'll see. It might fill up as we're talking. Um, welcome to Culture Vulture. I'm Lucy. This is Liv. Do we ever introduce ourselves? I don't know. Um, mm. You always say, I'm here sitting with Liv, and I say, hi, everyone. And everyone just has to sort of pick who I'm is. I'm here with True. Liv. I never say, and this is Lucy. Well, I'm Lucy. And uh, <laughs> Nice to meet you all. <laughs> this is Culture Vulture. Today, today, big, big episode for Empty Brain. <laughs> big ep, empty, empty brain. brain. We're talking about... The absolute violations of a celebrity sex tape. Mm -hmm. This comes off the back of what, Liv? Pam and Tommy. It's a controversial subject and we're going to sort of dive into the politics of whether we should or whether we shouldn't watch this series. Because if you're anything like me, the nosy person within my brain really, really wants to watch the show. Like so badly, but I'm trying to refrain because of some things that we're going to go into yeah. a bit later on. To support your girl Pam, um, I have heard, just to preface, that they have done a really good job um, being sympathetic to Pamela and, like, they have done as best as they could with the situation they were dealt. I don't want to watch it because of what we know through doing this research and we will pass this on to all of you so you can make your own beautiful decisions because that's what we love. But before we get into that... And before we get into a really good naughty or nice, Liv, what describes your week this week? Okay, what describes my week? I'm scared that Lucy's going to have the same one because of what we've just discussed. Well, go. What describes my week is Architectural Digest. Oh, no, no, that does, that's not mine. <laughs> that is not mine. You were talking about decor. You were, I, it was just conversation. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so why? Why Architectural Digest? Okay, well... I've moved house. I've moved out from our little humble abode with Luce and our other flatmates. My room was pretty dark. Yeah. And, and, and I'm sad. Yeah, we're sad. I'm sad that Liv's gone, but she's moved in with Rubes. So we, I mean, all three of us, we just go in cycles. Like Honestly. when I first came to Auckland, I live with Rubes. I live with Liv at uni. Live with Liv again. Now Liv lives with Rubes. And I've never lived with Ruby except for oh. one summer when we lived in four different houses oh. within the period of a month. But oh god! <laughs> oh, so you've been you've been getting some inspo from a lot of inspo, digest. a lot of Pinteresting. But mm. the house is coming together. Yes, it's a lovely wee spot. It Very is. um indoor it's a, outdoor. It's floor. a hub. It's a hub. Indoor outdoor. It's, it's not a lounge. It's a hub. Honestly, me and Liv have been describing this house 
to people, like so many people this weekend, and at work. And I've started saying it, it's like a tube. Like, it's no, it not is like, like a tube, though. But do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Like, what big you mean. opening doors at both ends. It's like a vacuum. You suck from one <laughs> end outside through to the through other. To the other. <laughs> well, the thing that describes my week is out with the old and with the new. <laughs> Because we've got you're a seven and and um a new flatmate. Obviously, we had to fill her room, and a new flatmate moved in. And actually, uh, his girlfriend listens to Culture Vulture, and I said hi to her, and she was like, "God, you sound exactly like you do on the podcast." And I was like, "It is my voice." Thank God like, to our beautiful audio technician. <laughs> yeah. So my real life voice is, in fact, I don't put on a fake voice to do the podcast. Imagine, imagine she meets you and you sound completely different. And she's like, oh my god, oh my god, go back, go to your broadcast voice, yeah, will you? You're an actress. <laughs> um, but that's been that's been wonderful. Uh, love meeting new people, etc. But sad to see Liv go. So sad to see me go, but I'm literally ten minutes down the road. Yeah. So so don't worry, guys. Busy. It's really not a big deal. We see each other at work for eight hours <laughs> Every a day. Day. anyway. So not a huge change. Not a huge deal. Okay, should I get into naughty? Please do. My first naughty or nice for you all today. Jake Gyllenhaal did his first sort of profile, went on the record after um, Taylor re-released Red. I did not know that. There was a big profile done on him in Esquire. And honestly, he spoke very well and very respectfully. And so I'm sure, I'm sure that you've all listened to our Taylor Swift episodes. If not, you can go and listen to them to understand why Jake Gyllenhaal isn't the most loved person on the internet, um, but also, like, the comments that he makes are quite good uh, to sort of combat all the haters that we always say, don't go online and do your hating. No, 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 no. Maybe you can think it and deal with it yourself, but maybe just don't go online and do it. Anyway, so until now, Jake Gyllenhaal hasn't commented on the 10-minute version of All Too Well or the album he did turn off his Instagram comments, which was like the only sign that we've ever really had from him to say like he knows what's going on, but he's totally. not responding. And fair to enough. be fair, quite responsible. Oh, absolutely. Because you just don't want people fighting there. Or, yeah, God, responsible. No. I'd do the same. So um, basically Eric Sullivan did this big profile on him. It's actually very good. And asked him, which would have been kind of scary, Asked him about um, how he felt about the reemergence of Red. And Jake Gyllenhaal says, It has nothing to do with me. It's about her relationship with her fans. It's her expression. Artists tap into personal experiences for inspiration, and I don't begrudge anyone that. That's a great quote. Uh, yeah, I know. I was just sort of like, Go off. Like, he doesn't attack her at any point. No, he says, he's very removed from the situation. Yeah. Um, so then Sullivan asks, if the past month has been hard on him and Jake Gyllenhaal's like, no, it hasn't. So then Sullivan's like, then why did you turn off your Instagram comments? Doesn't that suggest that it's sort of affected your life? And then Jake says this. At some point, I think it's important when supporters get unruly that we feel a responsibility to have them be civil. Civil? Civil. We have them be civil and not allow for cyberbullying in one's name. That begs for a deeper philosophical question, not about any individual per se, but a conversation that allows us to examine how we can, or should even, take responsibility for what we put into this world, our contributions into the world. How do we provoke a conversation? We see that in politics. There's anger and divisiveness, and it's literally life-threatening in the extreme. My question is, is this our future? Is anger and divisiveness our future, 
Or can we be empowered and empower others while simultaneously putting empathy and civility into the dominant conversation? That's the discussion we should be having. Jesus, it's like an essay. Well, I think it's funny because it's a big workaround of the question. Yeah, that's, like, I was looking at you and I was like, I've sort of, I don't know whether I've zoned out yeah. or whether I just like. I sort of zoned out kind saying of like it because he went from, he went from like, um, you shouldn't be cyberbullying to like, mm, we see in politics this anger and divisiveness all the time and like, almost like saying fans are kind of like that. But I'm also like, Jake, you're in a lot of action movies and shit like that that show anger and divisiveness all the time as well. So, like, we're not all on our high horses anywhere here. Uh, But I think it was a really good response just because it was much more sort of pensive and philosophical than, like, a tacky. It was. It was, like, kind of removing himself Mm. from his personal situation and seeing it as something that was happening to someone else almost, which kind of... You'd almost have to look you'd, at it like that. You would actually have to. Um, and then the last note was that he has not listened to the album. Mm. But I actually don't believe that. I don't believe that Who for am a I second. to say it? But I, I reckon he definitely I mean, has. if he hasn't, great self-control. He Imagine totally has. Someone, like, there's songs in there that he hasn't heard, you know, from the vault. And, like, True. if there's songs written about you. But then also I can imagine, like, oh, it would be a lot, wouldn't it? Nah, he definitely is. But... I don't know. Anyway, that's nice. It's not naughty, so it's nice. Yeah, it's nice. My next thing is naughty. I'm going to say it from the get-go. Coachella and Stagecoach Music Festivals are returning with no COVID-19 protocols. So we actually already knew that vaccinations wouldn't be required for entry into these events, which that in itself kind of shakes me. Yeah, it does. It shocks me. I know. But last week it was announced that Coachella and Stagecoach like will have no COVID-related barriers to entry at all. So not even like negative tests. You don't need to wear a mask. Like when I was I wrote about this for the newsletter on the day that I wrote this, the US had 140,000 cases just Jesus, that day, and I yeah. was like, this does not seem that, especially off the back of Astro World, which I know is a different thing. This is the thing. It's like, you know, live music has been away for so long and it's yeah. taken such a hit because of COVID. You'd think that these, you know, event planners and whatever would want to keep the name of live music um, safe. Yeah, They'd like want to keep it safe. Yeah, exactly. So that people don't see it as a breeding ground for COVID. Exactly. And th- the question that I have is like, what are the, what are the likes of Billie Eilish, Phineas, Harry Styles, people that have been so, so, like, amazing and adamant that they are going to make everyone, you know, follow these protocols and for their shows. vocal. Vocal about it. Like, Harry Styles would have, like, COVID tests, like, at the shows. Mm-hmm. Like, Phineas and Billy fucking met up with Biden the other day, probably for him to say, shot for getting the young people to, like, I don't know, care about COVID. Yeah, fuck yeah. It'll just be really interesting to see because, also, that is so removed from music. Like, Phineas... And Billy, for example, shouldn't have to call off like the biggest show of their careers because of something that the organizers like should have dealt with. Like, it's not like someone pulled out of their band and they had to not play. It's like they're having to choose to not play because of something sort of political, but like to keep the people safe. For sure, it shouldn't and even it be has on them. Such harsh repercussions on their on their reputation, their, music, their, their reputation, yeah. their money source. I know. Everything. Ah, so, uh, I know. So that'll be interesting. And that's that's naughty. That's naughty. Naughty, of, naughty, naughty, naughty. Stagecoach. Then my last one is, uh, to be honest, this 
I don't really care about this that much, but I kind of want it for the archives if we ever listen back to this, that today it's been announced that Justin Bieber and Queen Elizabeth both have COVID-19. Okay, I knew about the Queen queen. from your newsletter this morning, did not realise. Justin Bieber the King. Someone said the Queen and the King have gone down. Um, Kind of sad for Justin because his uh, Justice World Tour kicked off like 48 hours ago. So Oh, devastating. uh, Absolutely, Devo. Mm. I did see some good TikTok from his maybe one or two performances he got to do. But that's naughty of the virus, especially go after the Queen. She's that fragile. The virus has been quite naughty recently, hasn't Yeah, it? actually, true. A few years of naughtiness. A few years of naughtiness. Can't wait for the naughtiness in New Zealand at the moment. <laughs> quite, a, quite a bit in New Zealand, but we're mm. not going to talk about that. What we're going to talk about is our wonderful sponsor of today's episode and then Celebrity Sex Tapes. Honestly, Liv, the only thing I want to talk about right now is euphoria because it's hitting its peak. It's nearly done. I'm sad, but I'm obsessed. I'm also sad. I know. Ten episodes? I think I said eight the other time. Oh, anyway, I think We're not experts. <laughs> we're not experts, guys. Um, I'm so excited. We did a whole episode on euphoria two weeks ago and honestly, barely scratched the surface. There's so much more to discuss. I know. And you guys have been loving that episode. Thank you, first of all, for listening and loving it. The only thing that I get a little bit pissed off is, is, like, if I don't watch it as soon as it comes out, I go on my TikTok and I get spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. I just cannot wait until 7pm when it comes out. I'm just refreshing and refreshing. I know. And do, do you all know where she's refreshing? On Neon, where Euphoria comes out weekly and you can get a 14-day free trial, which gives you way more than enough time to catch up on all the previous episodes. It most certainly does. Neon is our favourite New Zealand-based streaming service and the reason Culture Vulture exists. You all know that by now. Fuck, we love you, Neon. Love you. So, loose. onto <laughs> the main course of this episode. Yum. <laughs> yes, cargo. Did you just burp into the microphone? No, before? I went... <laughs> oh. I thought the fizzy water had sort of come back oh, up. Oh, don't bring that up because you know now that I, I will get I voice vibrations because sorry, I'm, I'm thinking about it. Oh, so will I probably. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> we just say like gurgling into the mics. It's disgusting. I'm so we sorry. Anyway, okay. Pam, let's have some energy. Yes, Pam and Tommy. Have you seen it? No, you haven't. No, because this is the whole reason we're talking about it. <laughs> I love that. No, love, I've not seen it. And why Why is that? Why would I be even in two minds about it? Well, basically, this is a new TV show called Pam and Tommy, and it follows the 90s power couple Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee. So for those of you who don't know who Pam and Tommy are, because to be honest, like, I'd heard of them, I'd heard, I'd heard of Pamela Anderson, I knew she was from Baywatch, but that's all I knew. And that's one of the things that I've been seeing, like, especially on Twitter, is like, when we get to why we're in two minds about watching this, it's because a lot of us young people didn't know the story of the leaked tape and didn't need to. For sure. We that's didn't know thing. it. So we it had kind of been and gone, but yeah, it's just been able to bring it, it all back up. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so Pamela Anderson is the blonde beach babe from yeah. the 90s show Baywatch. Literally, I knew Baywatch from watching Friends and Joey and Chandler sitting there like. Do you know how I knew? Do you know how I knew Baywatch? How? Baywatch? Um, because David Hasselhoff was in the Spongebob movie. Oh, no, <laughs> like, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Like, I was like, who the fuck is it's that? David Hasselhoff. Like, the Hasselhoff. And my dad was like, from Baywatch. And then, he yeah. had a real sort of resurgence, didn't he, and around didn't, Spongebob? Didn't, <laughs> Spongebob. And didn't Zach Efron do, redo Baywatch? Or like, wasn't there a Baywatch Oh, there was, and spoof? with... 
um, The Rock. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I watched that. Time. Not great. Yeah. Don't anyway, know. back to back to anyway, Bay. Six. Yes. <laughs> no. Um. So she also holds Pamela Anderson. By the way, we're yeah. talking about now. Not David Hasselhoff. Not David Hasselhoff or SpongeBob. <laughs> not SpongeBob. Um. So Pamela also holds the record for the most Playboy covers of any one person. Mm-hmm. She's also an animal rights activist. She's written about the dangers of online pornography, and she's become a spokesperson for the Mac Cosmetic AIDS Fund. So she and she's done a lot of other shit mm-hmm. as well. She's quite political. Yeah. Not someone to be reduced to no, what happened. Absolutely. To so Pam met Tommy, who was the drummer of the heavy metal band Motley Crue, on the fifteenth of February nineteen ninety five and married him four days later. Holy shit. So Rock and roll wedding. Whirlwind romance. They had two kids together but divorced three years later after Tommy was arrested for spousal abuse. So he doesn't shit. seem like the nicest guy. That's basically who these people who they are. are. So What is so interesting about this couple to make a series about them? So basically in 1996, the year after they got married, a homemade sex tape or home video is what a lot of people are calling it. I think it was from their honeymoon. Mm -hmm. It was stolen from their house by an electrician because he was apparently underpaid by the couple. So there was like this huge safe in Mm -hmm. their house kind of like hidden. And obviously the electrician was like in the walls and stuff, knew what was going on and just like took it. Yeah, there was some beef between Tommy and the electrician. It didn't just come out of nowhere. No, for sure. I think the electrician was owed like 20 grand by Tommy, something like that. But basically, yeah, it had been stolen. And what's so interesting about this time period is that it was when the internet was in its infancy. So it had sort of just been established and the everyday person was beginning to use it. So it was the first time celebrity sex tapes sort of made it's their way into people's homes, mm. which before this, it was know, like it was those sections and DVD cassette, uh, video stores for sure. Yeah, um, it's a huge story in regards to the sort of intersection of celebrity culture and technology. Mm. So. Also, at this point, there was a global naivety as to, like, what the internet could do. And I think that the whole era that we're still living in around, you know, people's news being leaked and everything, that started literally with this sex tape. Mm. And because um, if you've seen one of our episodes of Extremely Online about the rules of the internet, they were they were literally formed, like, back in 1996, I think, and haven't really changed that much since then and don't really cover a lot of the way we use the internet today. So I can imagine back then there was just, it felt would have felt like a free-for-all. And they only brought in, like, foster sister, which I think is like the, you know, Tumblr can't have porn on there. Yes. Like, recently, like in the 2010s. And, and so no one would have known how to deal with this. Oh, yeah. I also think the reason that people have been calling it, not choosing not to call it a sex tape until it was leaked, but calling it a home video is because, like, it was a home video for them Yes. It became like branded as a sex tape when other people became the people watching it. And oh, like that's sure. how it was like marketed, which is just like an interesting thought that like, yeah, it only becomes like a sex tape when for us, like we're, I don't know, the media is like branding it like that. Totally. And when it was uploaded to a website yeah. and was, yeah, advertised as yeah. such. Um, so, so interesting that whole, you know, start of the internet. But basically, Why we're talking about the show today is, as we said before, there's an ethical dilemma within this show, and that is the fact that Pamela Anderson has not consented to have it made. So the show 
hasn't been made with the input of Pamela or Tommy Lee. She didn't want it made as she didn't want to revisit this area of her life. Um, And this opens a really interesting conversation in regards to like what information is public property due to the cultural or historical impact of the person on the world or what information should be kept private and under the control of the person that it belongs to sort of thing. So with Pam and Tommy... They reached out to Pam, didn't they, for to see if she would, I, I don't know, be a part of it or give her blessing. Yeah. And she didn't respond? She didn't respond. The Guardian got this quote from one of the showrunners. He said, We particularly wanted to let Pamela Anderson know that this portrayal was very much a positive thing and that we cared a great deal about her and wanted her to know that the show loves her. He said that, We didn't get a response, but considering what she's been through and the time we were reaching out, that is understandable. However, a friend of Pamela's told Vanity Fair that participating in the making of Pam and Tommy was never a real consideration. The friend quoted, she made a distinct decision, which took took no time at all to make, to not be part of this. It is shocking that this series is allowed to make happen without her approval. So she feels violated to this day. It brings back a very painful full time for her and so we have a very obvious um Pamela not sort of consenting to Pam and Tommy being created in the exact same way as she didn't consent to her home video being leaked it's it's meta and weird yeah and yeah a lot to think about because as we said before the show was made with good intentions basically the point of the show is to try and like paint her in a modern light where you know we're a lot more sex positive these days than we were back in the 90s I think she just got a horrific rap when this came out you know she had no one no sex positive vloggers or whatever you know like it was a different world it was a different world and so their aim was to sort of dispel the rumors you know about them maybe leaking it for financial benefit and like that's kind of the take a lot of people took um and to give Pamela Anderson the credit she deserved for making it out of that situation alive but then again they're also making a shitload of money from this film yeah or from this series from the yeah uh, it's just I, I don't know I'm gonna get into a little bit about Kim Kardashian and Paris Hilton and kind of similar like the way that everyone sort of said it's their fault they wanted it out there like totally. it's for them to get famous and it's like why the fuck are we like, blaming the people that have had the most private thing in the world leaked? When why are we blaming them when we should be blaming the person that fucking leaked it? For Everyone sure. like has nudes or like a sex. Tape. You can do whatever you want, and you should be able to do yeah. whatever you want without being scared that it's gonna you know get in front of thousands of people's eyes eyeballs. It seems like a um, quite an obvious decision that like you shouldn't make Back to Pam and Tommy the series without the consent of the person you're making about. But then that comes back to the point that I know we want to talk about. When is it in the public interest to make something about someone's life like without their consent? For sure. So I think this is the real interesting part of the conversation because as you said, at first glance, it seems really obvious. But then when you do dig a little deeper and kind of think about it a bit more I think it gets a little more complex um so basically legally they are allowed to make this show because they had bought the rights to a 2014 Rolling Stone article written by Amanda Chicago Lewis which was basically a piece of investigative investigative journalism that tells the story for the first time of what actually happened I think she interviewed a whole lot of people actually involved mm. it's this really really long story if you don't want to watch 
the show. Maybe a better alternative is reading this article. Yeah. Um, and, like, legally you can make things about people in the public good. You can do unauthorised biographies and, like, mm-hmm. things like that. Like, yes, they bought the rights to this article, but they could have made this even without, like, buying the rights to this article just with probably less investigation. For sure. But ethically? Ethically, okay, this, I think this specific case is... Actually, there's an excerpt from a piece written by Adrienne Horton in The Guardian, which kind of sums up my thoughts on this. So she says, TV is a collaborative project that shouldn't necessarily hinge on the feelings of one person, nor is the subject's narrative control and and participation necessarily the best recipe for clarity, honesty, and even empathy. See most pop stars' documentaries. I mean, Mm -hmm. this we see with Ye's documentary is a really good example of this because as we talked about, last week or the week before, mm. if he had full creative control, like... You just wouldn't be getting what you... The truth. Exactly. Truth. It would just be a very much non-objective yeah. Yeah. narrative, which I can understand in a lot of situations, you need a much more clear and balanced, mm-hmm. you know, sort of conversation around what happened. But Anderson's lack of interest in revisiting a foundational public trauma, one that reportedly remains very painful for her, undermines the whole project. It invades every scene, particularly the mid-season stretch in which Pam and Tommy begin to realise the extent of the tape's dispersal. It it turns otherwise potent, provocative material on the boundaries of privacy, the unforgiving binds of sex appeal, the double standards of public exposure, a shade queasy. That's a great quote because it's I like I fully understand we need mm-hmm. documentaries and things to be made on people. We do. I mean because they've had like huge hands in the culture. Huge hands in the culture, a huge historical impact. So maybe take the Tinder swindler, right? Like he's done something really wrong. Yeah. And he does not have a hand in the making of his narrative of this documentary. Yeah. Because he shouldn't. Yeah. Because he's yeah. done shit that's so bad that we need to know about it and, yeah, is invading his personal privacy. But for the safety of people, we need to know about yeah. it. The only thing that's different about this one is, like, that – well, not the only thing that's different is, like, this was something that was an exploitation of her privacy and she didn't – like, they if they had her consent to make this, then it would have been much less queasy. I love that that person used the word queasy to, like – watch and maybe you could have watched it to learn something but like the fact that people aren't wanting to watch it means that the whole thing is sort of like irrelevant well not irrelevant it's just like kind of is irrelevant in the state like yeah we need to know about internet safety and everything but there's been a lot of discourse we didn't need this to specifically talk about you know sex tapes getting leaked online yeah it's a severely private thing and also in the era of me too when we're talking about consent yeah and we're depicting her sex tape you know through actors yeah i know it just does feel without her consent and without her input yeah it's uh, yeah i i mean this is why i didn't want to watch it i'm i'm just like we've seen this time and time again afterwards as well and the difference is like pamela anderson really did the most to get away from that Mm -hmm. image and like that was the worst thing ever, obviously, and she, yeah. like, did so much to try and get away from it. Whereas we have Kim Kardashian and Paris Hilton, who the the same awful fucking thing happened, but they couldn't let it, like, 
you know, they were on the internet, like we were further into the internet, it was everywhere. They had to either remove themselves from the world completely or make it work for them. And either way, they got hated on, like, for you know, sure. they got hated on for apparently leaking it, but then they got hated on for making a business off of their new name and it's just like oh my god women can't win absolutely absolutely and with Pamela she was also a victim of multiple cases of sexual assault as a child and teenager so this like hits home Mm. even harder for her it's you know compounded with her past experiences so I think she cares a lot less about her public image you know which they're trying to kind of revive Mm. um she doesn't really seem to give a fuck about that, which is totally fair enough. And what's interesting is that Tommy Lee doesn't seem to mind nearly as much. He's been in contact with Sebastian Stan, the guy who plays him in the series, Um And he said, from what he's told me, it's a really beautiful story. The story's actually cool. What happened wasn't, but... The story's actually cool. Yeah, I know. From what... What actually happened wasn't, but Stan tells me it's pretty wild. Don't really understand that. I feel like it was forever ago, but it's a cool story and people need to know it's cool. I'm stoked. Very strange. What the fuck? Like, what do you mean it's a cool story? Like, yeah, the glitz and glamour of it. And the thing is, like, it's probably got something to do with the fact that the sex tape totally tarnished Pamela Anderson's career, whereas it revived Tommy's. Like, he was kind of, yeah, like, past the peak. Motley Crue was past the peak of their success, and it just, like, made him into the sex god. It's literally um, Taylor Swift's song, The Man. Yeah. Like, like it, it, this... For him, he benefited so hard off of the same thing that, like, ruined her life. Yeah, for sure. And, like, obviously there has been a change in the way that we view these things in society, but, like, nowhere near enough. So women can now talk about this a lot more openly than Pamela could when she was, you know, when this happened to her in 1995. But, like, this shit's still happening all the time. Like, in 2014, that whole celeb gate, I think they called it the The fappening, when people hacked into the cloud and then, like, 500... Yes. And so Jennifer Lawrence um, quoted in Vanity Fair, it's not a scandal, it's a sex crime. Just the fact that somebody can be sexually exploited and violated and the first thought that crosses somebody's mind is to make profit from it. It's so beyond me. It's my body and it should have been my choice. And the fact that it's not my choice is absolutely disgusting. I can't believe we even live in that kind of world. I mean, there was that whole period, like, early 2000s or like maybe just before 2010 where like Vanessa Hudgens, Miley Cyrus, like everyone was having either nude photos leaked or like they were seen as, I don't know, Miley did her Vanity Fair like cover shoot and people were like, oh, she's trying to be provocative. Like it's yes. all on her. It's like there was – and like crotch shots. You remember I actually – I was going to talk about this later but I'm going to fucking talk, talk about it now. It's a bit of a tangent but like kind of in the same vein as nudes – like, it, so in 2006, I mean, I remember seeing magazines with, like, women with their leg getting out of the car or whatever, with their legs spread apart with, like, stars, like, yellow stars yes. over it. Like, they could have had underwear on or they might not have, but the magazines, whoever took the photos, wanted us to think they didn't. So in 2006, Us Weekly, they did, like, a photo spread of Paris Hilton, Britney Spears, Lindsay Lohan, Kate Moss, all getting out of vehicles, all with bright yellow stars, like, splashed over their crotches and um, crotch shots. I've never and, heard of like, that term, but yes. So it was a paparazzi like 
crouching on the ground, like, with the aim to get these shots. Up under their skirts. Uh, yeah. That's now illegal, isn't it? Well, it fucking should be. And then, um, so they ran a poll, and 84% of Us Weekly's readers had voted that the issue at hand was indeed these women's unquenchable thirst for attention, not the industry that pushed its workers to aim cameras up their crotches at their genitals without their consent. And this is why these conversations are so important, because... Just spelling, like, the fact that that wasn't that long ago and that was the public sort of sentiment around these pictures. And it could get published. terrifying. It's, honestly, and, and the way that the media, I don't want to say the media forced it, mm. but they uh, prompted, prompted misogyny, a bit of misogyny, like, in it, and quite a lot of misogyny, a actually. A lot of misogyny. In the sidebar of this spread, and I'll go into this a bit more later when we talk about Paris Hilton, but... Amy Poehler said, like, lots of people were making jokes. Comedians were always making jokes about these women. A lot of the time it was women comedians. Amy Poehler said, ladies, you need to call it nobody wants to see your baby factory. And that was like a that was like the pull quote oh with it. And it's God. like, I know this was prompted and I know this was the era, but it's just interesting to go and look at. It just shows the internalised misogyny. Like, I even remember reading, you know, being in some person's bathroom, them having like a Hello magazine or a whatever, like yeah. those trashy mags and looking through it and just not even questioning. I know I was young, yeah. but I was still old enough to kind of know right from wrong. Yeah. And and, and know that like we've been taught about bullying at schools and we would never say yeah. that to a person. Exactly. But if it's on a magazine if, and if it's, it's on a, a magazine, celebrity. It's fine because they've asked for it. They put, they're putting themselves in the public eye. It's just... I know. It is honestly ridiculous. I want to really briefly run through Kim's situation and then Paris Hilton's situation because there is a lot more of this sort of misogyny, especially with Paris Hilton. So, okay, Kim Kardashian, we all know what happened to her. If you ask anyone how Kim rose to fame, like... Yeah, some people know the nations and out of who her dad is and who her mum is and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But most people will say it's because she had a sex tape that got leaked. Now, no one actually knows how this one got leaked. And, I mean, there's been rumours that it was Kris Jenner, but that kind of goes back into the, like, they wanted to get famous, they did it themselves sort of. For sure, that quite hating. problematic narrative. Yeah, but that is, like, the one of the biggest rumours out there. The thing with... Kim's one is that, like, it's still brought up all the time. No matter what she does, like, it's like, how are you going to explain this to North or your kids? Like, she's always asked that as if it's her fault. Like, it's not her fault, right? but it is her problem like to her deal with. Like, her tarnished past I know. and how she like, came to fame. She didn't leak this. Literally. Stop and, asking about it. And that we will never see her or society will never see her as classy. Literally. Because, because, of, because of that. And, and, like, I'm never saying that these people are perfect people, but right now we're talking about their home videos, their private footage that got leaked. Um, and then we just saw Ye bring it up, saying that there was another there was another video that Ray J had, and, like, Ray J took it to Ye, or Ye went and got it from Ray J. Sorry, why didn't it just go to Kim? Why didn't Ray J just take it to Kim? Why did Ye have to be right. the one controlling Misogynistic that? Misogynistic in itself. Exactly. And and so Ye said that, like, he went and got it, and he sort of saved the day. And then Kim's team was like, 
There was no, there was a hard drive. There was no sexual footage on that hard drive. Kim remains firm in her belief that there is no new second tape. After 20 years, she truly wishes to move on from this chapter and focus instead on the positive things she continues to do as a mother, an entrepreneur, and an advocate for justice reform. Like, she really couldn't have done much more to get away no. from this narrative. Yeah, and like, that's so low of yay to uh, yeah. pull that back. And because and he's obsessed media. with like, making his narrative good and I guess he wanted to look like the hero but it's like no I just I don't know I just really think with this isn't even a hot take like that it's not their fault that these things got leaked but it's their problem to deal with for their whole lives like it's just and that sucks and that sucks for them and it's like okay with Paris Hilton's Paris sex tape like it's straight up revenge porn Mm -hmm. like her sex tape being leaked. We watched This Is Paris together, didn't we? Did you watch This Is Paris? Mm-mm. Well, it was her documentary that came out and she spoke about it. And so basically Paris Hilton's sex tape was released without her consent when she was 19. And like, honestly, for like 15 years, probably more after, it was like the butt of every joke. Like it, it was Paris Hilton, we all know. Even as we were growing up, she was just this. Oh, she, know, was she was like the butt of the joke. cartoon person yeah. that didn't really exist. So she shot this like home video with her boyfriend Rick Salomon, who I think was like 13 years older than her. And he went to date Pamela Anderson. Did he? I think they even got married. After both of their sex tapes. So Pamela Anderson married Rick Solomon in 2007 and annulled the marriage in 2008, but then remarried him in 2014 and then divorced in 2015. The same guy, the pro gambler. Which is, yes, the same guy. Very strange. This, okay, that adds... I don't even know. That's blown my mind. I know. That's actually, that's a story in itself. I'd that, like yeah, to know that. That's that's actually wild. So, so I think so. Salomon he released it first through the porn company Red Light District Video, and then he put it on a porn site and charged fifty dollars for five showings. Um, basically, the takeaway though from Paris's sex tape being released was that A Simple Life, her show, was being released Mm -hmm. sort of at the same time. So, like, Paris Hilton wanted it to be released. Like, she helped orchestrate this. She'd done it on purpose, like, purely for money and attention. So this is what people were saying. People were saying. This is what not me saying. This is what everyone was saying, like, in the media, which was honestly fucked. And so shortly after the tape came out, Paris said publicly, like she said publicly, obviously, that she didn't approve of it being released. And then Salomon sued her for defamation, saying like she was ruining his name by saying that she didn't want it released. What and then the fuck? She countersued him. And, like, it was all settled out of court and Salomon had to agree to pay her 400 grand and a percentage of the profits, which is oh, just, like... It's so, so dirty and grimy that he... That he said... That he sued her for defamation yeah. when he released the sex tape. Paris Hilton says that she never actually received a dime from, like, what was made via people still watching the sex tape. And she donated all the money that Salomon had to pay from winning the settlement to charity. In her documentary, she said this about it. 
That was a private moment with a teenage girl and everyone was watching it and laughing. It was like being electronically raped, but they made me Mm. the bad person. Like, I did something bad. Mm. Like, they released it, they watched it. And that shame, like, associated with sex, you will carry around for, like, the rest of your life. Oh, my God, I know. And, and, like, no wonder because, Liv, I want to read to you some of the things that were being said about Paris Hilton because, like... If this happened in 2022, not a hot take, it wouldn't happen. Obviously, we wouldn't be talking about shit like this. But listen, Piers Morgan said this to her for an interview in GQ. Are you good in bed? I guess it's a rhetorical question because I watched the video this morning for research purposes and the answer is clearly affirmative. Oh my God, like imagine sitting across from someone, especially fucking Piers Morgan, and he's seen your sex tape. Like he's seen you at your most vulnerable. I know. In 2004, South Park released a Paris Hilton-centric episode titled Stupid Spoilt Whore Video Playset. Um, And then it just features girls becoming obsessed with Paris Hilton. I mean, South Park have known to be on the nose, but that is too, like, what's off the fuck? That's actually fucked. Um, Trump, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, he does not come out of the unscathed in a 2003 <laughs> does he ever no, in a 2003 radio interview that has resurfaced trump is recorded as saying now somebody who a lot of people don't give credit to but in actuality is really beautiful is paris hilton i've known paris from the time she's 12 her parents are friends of mine and the first time i saw her she walked into the room and i said who the hell is that and then the presenter asked, did you want to bang her? And he said, well, at 12, I wasn't interested. I've never been into that, but she was beautiful. He then went on to call Hilton dumb like a fox and admitted that he watched her sex tape. Okay, dumb like a fox, that's not the saying. Like, aren't foxes quite smart? Well, aren't they? Yeah, like scheming. Like, yeah. swipe of the fox. Like, yeah, he was literally Dora. Anyway, kind of beside the point. One, the fact that he said kind of about child. Yeah. Yeah. Like, about a that, child. But that he said, I'm not really into that, as though that's an okay thing to be into. No. As though it's not deeply That's straight illegal. up pedophilia. Like, yeah. I'm sorry. And the fact that he's also spoken, not exactly like that, but about his daughter. Oh, saying my God. Joan Rivers also at the time said, when I saw her sex tape, all I could think of were Paris Hilton's poor parents. The shame, the shame of the Hilton family to have your daughter do a porno film in a Marriott hotel, like instead of in a Hilton one. Like, cheap shot. That is a cheap yeah, shot. very fucking cheap shot. The the lack of empathy yeah. around this conversation just blows my mind. Like, can and it's people... kind of good that it blows our minds because it shows it how much good. the landscape has changed. Yeah, it is good because what would we be saying, you know, on this podcast if it was set 20 years ago? Literally. What would the world be like for us? Or, like, what would the yeah landscape what would our thoughts let be? us do? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad it's changed. We also had Tina Fey saying... She's unbelievably dumb and so proud of how dumb she is. She looks like a tranny up close. And then we had Blake Lively. And this is, again, kind of like prompted misogyny Mm -hmm. from the media because this was in Seventeen magazine, like responding to a question about or a charge that her and Paris Hilton were similar. This is in Seventeen magazine for teenagers. Yeah. Blake Lively said, I don't go to clubs. I don't party, I don't dance on tables, and I don't like sex tapes. Like, like, like as though oh, Paris loves sex yeah. tapes, like she wanted to do yeah. it. She was 19, mm. probably got manipulated. What the fuck? Yeah, I know. So, so it's just like, it's, 
it's really interesting to look back, like from the year two thousand to the year two thousand and ten, or even like I feel that time beyond. was just an absolute shit show. Yeah, that time was just a fucking free for all. Like crotch shots in the media, like nudes being leaked left, right, and centre. I mean, nudes still get leaked today, but it's like. But we have much more education and yes. understanding around it. Like, we wouldn't just go and share them. No, exactly. Yeah. And, oh, <sighs> I know. It's, it's, so the way that Paris Hilton was treated was honestly fucked. Like, she was the butt of every joke. But then it's interesting to bring it back to Pam and Tommy and, and be like, it's not happening in the same way, but it is interesting that with it's still about something that was released without... Yeah, like their consent. Well, because it's this kind of trend at the moment, you know, all of these 90s scandals or early 2000s scandals. That to go and unpack them. To now go and unpack them from a much more educated and fair point of view. And I understand that that's what Pam and Tommy is trying to do, as I'm sure something may happen with Paris Hilton, mm. hopefully with her consent. But it is like consent is so key mm. like, in this conversation. Especially if you're talking about, if you're talking a consensual about, or a non-consensual act. Absolutely. Like I know. So, everyone, that was just, to be honest, it was a bit of a big tangent. We brought up a lot of, like, I feel like they're all in the same vein, like celebrities, sex tapes, and then, like, nudes and all that. For sure. Shit. It's and all violations, Misogyny right? and the, the, how far we have come from the 90s, but also how far there is to go. Mm. I know, and, like, how how long is this even going to be public interest? You said something that kind of stuck with me in that thing, like, you know, they'll be they'll have the repercussions of their sex tapes for the rest of their lives. It's like, well, they don't have to because if we as a society change how we think about these things, then we can, you know, give them freedom. It's because we care. Yes. Like, it's an attention economy. We give it attention, then it's going to keep ruining their lives. For sure. So... One thing you can do, like you said before, is maybe not watch the show, Pam and Tommy, but you can read the Rolling Stone article about what happened. Yeah, I mean, even reading the Rolling Stone article, like, it's still it's still kind of buying in. I think that was still kind of for entertainment's purposes. Oh, okay. Well, like, alongside, mm. you know, trying to tell the true story. It's investigative journalism. But, like, why did the story need to get told? Exactly. Like, we can kind of bury the story. We, our point here, even us doing this podcast right, we questioned whether we were just feeding into the media mm. frenzy about it. And I think on one respect, we kind of are, but we were hoping that the education would kind of trump Yeah. That. Or a look at the media then versus now would be a more interesting conversation than us retelling the whole story of what actually happened with Pam and Tommy. Exactly. And so then if you do see Pam and Tommy or if you see even discourse around it, you kind of have a much better foundation of why you know why we're talking about it and should I watch it and should I care and you can make your own decisions we're not here to tell you what to think think. we're just here to give you some context absolutely I know one thing that's not going to be on your radar but can you tell me what is on your radar what's on my radar is Alt J's new album oh okay The Dream yeah I'm really excited actually did you say that last week no, oh, I don't think so. Okay, maybe we've just talked oh, about it. Oh, maybe I did. Well, I don't know. Maybe we've just talked about it in real life because we are friends too. Do you know what I need to listen to? Brood's new album. Oh, I didn't even yeah. know that they had one out. They have a new album. Okay, fuck. A lot of music to be listening to. Yeah, I know. And is that what's that on your radar? on my radar. On my radar is kind of basic. It's just genius. Yay's documentary, which I did say last week, I think. 
Inventing Anna, also. Inventing Anna, I've been hearing a lot about it. When are we going to get time to watch these? I don't know. When are we actually going to get time? And then, obviously, Euphoria. Not a uh, hot take whatsoever, but... Yes, episode... episode tonight. Seven? Coming out tonight. I don't know. Don't keep count. Don't want to Seven, I know. Can't wait. Anyway, if you liked this episode, you can leave us a rating or a review... Um, You can do that on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. You can come and subscribe to the daily newsletter. Follow us on Instagram if you want. As always, massive thank you to our wonderful producer, Tiahe Butler. We love him. We also love Neon. Liv, thanks for joining. We also love you, Lucy. Thank you. Head Um, empty still. (laughs) Head empty. Head empty now. Head empty now. I think my head was quite full before we came in, so it's always a bit of a relief to get all of that information out. I know, we're just venting to you all. We shall come back to vent to you next week. Bye. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.